Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like to invite you to turn with me, if you would please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading at verse 11. But before we do that, I want to reiterate to you one more time that the book of Isaiah in chapter 55, verses 6 through 11, teaches us that God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than man's ways and man's thoughts. And that if we want mercy and if we want God to abundantly pardon us, we must forsake our ways and our thoughts and get hooked up with God's ways and God's thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways and thoughts higher than man's or ours. In the book of Romans, in chapter 8 and verse 7, it tells us, that the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means that man's mind was not programmed according to the knowledge of God. Therefore, his mind is set up against the knowledge of God. It stands against the knowledge of God. The word enmity there actually means that it's an active force of hatred against the knowledge of God. Antagonism against the knowledge of God. Ill will against the knowledge of God. Every one of us needs to make a decision that we are going to forsake our own knowledge and reasoning and line up with God's because His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He knows a whole lot more than we do. God is much smarter and wiser than we are. Do you agree to that tonight? And therefore, His ways obviously are going to benefit us a whole lot better than man's ways. And whatever he knows is going to benefit us a whole lot better than whatever man knows. Right? So no matter how much knowledge man has, his best efforts are far beneath God's knowledge. To be frank about it, man's thoughts on any subject, I'll say his highest thoughts on any subject, are far beneath God's lowest thoughts on the same subject. And you know, sometimes man thinks he knows a lot. But he really doesn't. I mean, the mind of God, can you imagine it? How brilliant. Can you imagine knowing how to position every vital part of the body? Can you imagine its function? It's life's power being in the blood and how it operates. We're not talking about just studying it from the natural perspective. We're talking about knowing how to put it all together in a complete package and make it work before you ever saw one. <laughs> Can you think about that for a while? 
Can you imagine where you would begin to sit down and put together a universe? Where would you begin? And we can go on and on and talk about God's knowledge. And even at His best, man cannot be compared with God or to God. His ways and thoughts are far superior to ours. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we find out why. Basically, it's because man's knowledge is limited. Amen? His thoughts are based on limited knowledge. Why is it we get so huffy and puffy on the limited knowledge that we have? How is it that a man can become so prideful on the limited knowledge that he has? We have nothing to be proud of. Amen? Anything we have either comes from God or His ability given to us to even seek out knowledge. Right? And so who are we to boast on ourselves? What do we really know? If it were not for revelation, we wouldn't know God. If God didn't reveal Himself to us, we'd be here in this life, in this world, and not know one thing about life, death, or eternity. Amen? So how is it that so many get caught up in the realm of knowledge and think they know so much and get puffed up with pride. And the Bible says that pride does puff up or knowledge does puff up with pride. I guess we don't have a whole lot to boast on when it comes to ourselves and our own knowledge. If we're going to make our boast, let's boast on the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse 11, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Man doesn't know anything about God. You know, if God left man alone to himself, he can develop the greatest micro or microscope or whatever, telescope, whatever you want to, to talk about. And if God didn't choose to reveal Himself to man, man would never know. One thing about God. Isn't that something? We should never take for granted this revelation called the Word of God. Because, you see, if God just would have left man to his own destiny, every one of us would be destined to a second death lake of fire. You wouldn't want that, would you? I thank God for His revealing Himself to us so that we might live. And you know what? If all He ever did was reveal Himself to us as Savior, we should be happy. If all we could do is walk around in this earth and just say, I'm on my way to heaven, shouting victory. There, not may, be a, there may be nothing else that God provides for me, but you know what? He provided the way to glory. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be enough to shout about? Yes. Amen. But God is good and wonderful and He loves us dearly and He's not withheld anything from us. He says, it's my good pleasure not just to save you, but to give you the kingdom, to open up every door to give you the keys so that you might enjoy life in abundance, so that you'd be saved, healed, 
baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, set free, delivered, all your needs met, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially. What a good God. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. What a good God. What a revelation to know our God is that good. What man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man that is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Why did God give us of his spirit? So that we might know. The Holy Ghost has come to impart knowledge. The Holy Ghost has come to reveal the ways and the thoughts of God to each and every one of us. And without His activity in our lives, we would be incapable of having any kind of revelation of God. And so He came so that we might have and know the thoughts and the purposes and the mind of God. I'm going to read that in the Amplified. Now, we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the spirit who is from God, given to us that we might realize, comprehend, and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. Do you know how many are walking in the earth today, beloved, that have no knowledge of the blessings of God? I mean, many believers... Walking around thinking that God's causing problems in their lives. Not knowing that God has blessed them coming in and going out in the city, in the field, in the basket, in the store, in the fruit of their body, in their cattle, their, in whatever. God has blessed humanity. God has heaped upon us, lavished upon us all kinds of blessings. But many lack that knowledge. But we've been given the Holy Ghost so that we know those things that God has freely given to us Amen. so that we can learn of these things in a greater way. Verse 13. And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Spirit. Did you get that? Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We can't understand the Word of God. We can't understand the person of God through man's knowledge, thinking man's thoughts about God. Have you ever talked to somebody who's unsaved and said, well, I thought God did this or I thought God did that? Their thoughts about God are not correct. They don't really know about God. And, you know, you might talk, try to talk to them about healing or some other subject, and they have no idea what you're talking about because they have no revelation. They are locked into their own natural human reasoning and thought patterns. As a result, their thoughts are based on limited knowledge, and they can't really know. That's why we all, once again, should really put forth every effort to have revealed to us the thoughts and ways of God. And I want to emphasize that before we talk about healing here tonight. Verse 14, But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit. 
for they are folly, meaningless, nonsense to him. What does that tell us? Man's mind is programmed against the knowledge of God. As a matter of fact, it really explains to me now how some people accept sickness and diseases coming from God thinking that that's a blessing because that's how their minds are programmed. Did you ever read in your insurance clause somewhere except you're covered except for an act of God such as tornado, flood? They better send them people to school that write up those contracts, spiritual school, and let them be taught that God is not causing tornadoes and floods. God is not blowing up airplanes or doing anything of the like. The thief comes but for to steal. It should say down there, maybe they don't want to cover you for, you know, the deeds of Satan, such as tornadoes. Take that number down. We'll have to call these people up. Because the natural man just doesn't comprehend or welcome these things into his heart or mind because he's incapable. Look at that. He is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. Did you hear that? The revelation of God, the ways and thoughts of God are spiritually discerned, revealed, and appreciated understood and so beloved that's why we come to hear the word of god being taught so that the spirit of god would have opportunity to reveal to us great truths to enlighten us to great truths to help us better appreciate and understand the goodness of the father to open up a door of understanding that will take us into the mind of God and learn how He does things. His ways. His purposes. Can you believe that for yourself tonight? That God is by His Spirit is going to impart to you a greater dimension or depth of revelation, maybe a greater depth of understanding with regard to certain thoughts or ways of God. I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs in chapter 3, please. Proverbs chapter 3. Beloved, I believe we need more than excitement in our spiritual experience. I believe that we need to have the knowledge of God. We need to know the ways and purposes of God. We need to learn to appreciate the ways and purposes of God. And then we need to show Him how much we appreciate His ways and purposes being revealed to us by walking in them, don't you? By telling Him, this is the way I want to think and this is how I want to live my life. And Lord, that's why I come to you for this revelation. Now, how many of you know the Holy Ghost will not take you aside, sit you down and say, let me open up your brain and impart some revelations to you how many know that he won't do that but if you take yourself and set yourself down and say oh lord give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you you know that should be the prayer on our lips every single day to say oh father i want to have a greater depth of understanding and revelation in the knowledge of you seek him he rewards those who seek him not 
let's say, the gift, but the giver. I want to know you. I want to understand your thoughts. I want to understand your ways. I want to understand your purposes for my life. I want revealed to me the mysteries and the secret operation of the kingdom of God. That's what a mystery is. I want to know better. I want to know Jesus better. Proverbs chapter 3, and look at verses 7 and 8. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. Now let's stop right there just for a moment. These ten verses reveal to us ten of the most precious prized possessions that anyone can have in life. The first two verses tell us exactly how to get longevity. It gives you a seed to sow in your life. And if you'll sow the seed, you'll have longevity. If you'll do this, you'll live long. A, a life that is well worth living, full of peace, tranquility, etc. How many of you know that God has seeds of longevity? Anybody in the market for longevity seeds? How many of you ever planted a garden? You ever put a seed in? Anybody ever plant lettuce? You throw some seeds in the ground and watch them grow, water them and that sort of thing? It's kind of neat just to watch that stuff grow. Then, of course, you eat it and all that. But it just grows. Well, here's a seed that produces longevity. All we've got to do is sow it into the soil of our heart and water it and watch it grow. Isn't that good? Next, he talks about how you can have favor with God and man. See, you can have favor with God and man. You sow verse 3, you'll reap verse 4, which is favor with God and man. It tells you exactly how to do it. Now take it, sow it into the seed, or, the, or to the soil rather, of your heart, water it, and God said you'll have favor with God and man. Then he talks about in verses 5 and 6, the one we really know, and that is guidance. Everybody needs guidance in this life, correct? Absolutely. You sow it and you'll reap it. Sow the seed. There's a seed called guidance that you can sow into the soil of your heart and you'll get guidance. And then he goes on to talk about, let's skip over verses 7 and 8 and let's read 9 and 10. We'll look at 9 and 10. He talks about how you can have prosperity. Isn't that a prized possession? Aren't all these prized possessions? Doesn't everybody want longevity? Doesn't everybody want to have favor with God and man? Doesn't everybody want direction and guidance in this life? We need it so desperately, don't we? Don't we all want to be prosperous and provide for ourselves and for our families and if not for yourself, at least for your children, don't you? Come on, say amen. Certainly you want to make it better for your children. Okay, but now he also talks about how we can have health. And notice what he makes reference to. Be not wise in your own eyes. Your thoughts, your ways. In other words, according unto your own understanding. Don't be wise in the ways of man or in man's ways. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. What is evil? Well, we just talked about it. What is evil? Enmity against God is what? not thinking the way God thinks, right? It's an active force of rebellion against the knowledge of God. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil thinking. And what will you reap if you sow that seed? He tells you, verse 8, It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. 
Here is a way to sow the seed of health into our lives. It will even affect our bones. And he makes reference to our way of thinking. Well, our way of thinking about what? Well, obviously, one part of this has to do with the way we think about how God heals and promotes our health, wouldn't you say? Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't just think that you, through your own understanding, are going to be able to achieve that which God provides. It's going to take a deeper revelation. It's going to take a greater understanding. And that's why, again, we study God's Word to find out these ways and these thoughts of God. God's way of healing, beloved, is not man's. I want to make that clear. And I also want to help us better understand what that statement means. It's important that we know that man has a way to promote healing and health and God has a way to promote healing and health. Man's way is not God's way. Now, right away, somebody will just get a hold of you and just start saying, oh, I want to argue with you and I want to get in strife with you and I want to tell you this and tell you that. Beloved, I am not in any way belittling the medical profession by saying that man's way is not God's way. Okay? And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God. All I'm saying is this. God has His way. Man has His way. And if you decide to go man's way, you better have God helping you. Don't go man's way on your own. Because man is fallible. He is capable of failure. His knowledge is limited. His understanding of the human body is limited. His understanding of sickness and disease and its origin is limited. Man will never, 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 never cure the ills of mankind on his own. Never. Man's way is man's way. God's way is God's way. We want to separate the two so that we can have better understanding of how to enlist the power of God in our lives. And once again, that's not stating that you cannot be assisted by man. Understand that point. If you study every case of healing in the ministry of Jesus Christ, you will discover, if you're an honest person, that Jesus never used a natural means to heal anyone. Jesus never used a natural means to heal anyone. Turn with me, if you would, please, in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. You will discover that Jesus never handed out a prescription. He never called the pharmacist. He never performed an operation. He didn't teach His disciples how to assist Him in the operating room. 
And by no means is this in any way belittling or speaking derogatorily about the medical profession. What we are doing here this evening is just making it very clear that God has a way and man has a way. We need to know more about God's way. We need to learn more about God's way. We need to think in line with the way God thinks about how to promote health and how to affect healing in our bodies. Could you say amen to that? Now notice in Matthew 4 in verses 23 and 24. Medicine is man's way. Surgery is man's way. God has another way. God is not going to get angry at you for having surgery. God is not going to get angry at you because you use medicine. We're just making it very clear that one is man's way and the other is God's way. You go back into the wilderness and you'll discover that there were no hospitals, no pharmacies. True? These things did not exist. But there was not one feeble among their tribe. And when they honored God, they were protected from sickness and disease. That means God had a way to protect them. We've got to discover that way, amen, and walk in it. In Matthew 4, 23... And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, when I read those words, do you know what I think of all manner of sickness and all manner of disease? There had to have been all kinds of various sicknesses and diseases represented there in that place. All kinds. Just name a disease of the day, and it was there. Now, Jesus didn't have a black bag. He didn't. But Jesus was there, and He healed all manner. Now, that's worth our attention. That's worth looking into. See, there was a way he knew of to heal every form of arthritis, rheumatism, asthma, leprosy, palsy, blindness, deafness, dumbness. I mean, name every sickness, every disease. He healed all manner. Now, think about that. I mean, if you were in the medical field, wouldn't you want to learn about His ways and learn about how He was so successful in helping people recover and get well? And His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto Him all sick people that were taken with divers or different kinds of diseases and torments. He healed different kinds of diseases and torments. Listen. And those which were possessed with devils, diseases, torments, possessed with devils, 
and those that were lunatic and those that had the palsy. And he healed them. I think we stop right there. And we can do a lot of research right there. Have you ever seen someone with a palsy? I mean, I don't know about your lifetime, but in my lifetime, I mean, I appreciate everything that Jerry Lewis is doing to try to get a cure. Don't you? For muscular dystrophy. Don't you appreciate all that he's doing? It's a worthy cause. But you know what, saints of God? Jesus knows how. Jesus has a cure. We're just not diligent enough. Come on. Say out your oh my or oh me or amen. Admit it. We're not diligent enough. You know why? Because we're okay. Is there a a fire lit under you when you start to get attacked with sickness and disease to get you back into the Word of God? Yeah. You're well. Where's that motivation? Where's that impetus? Well, I thank God for what I know. Let's go on day by day. Oh, we don't know enough. Saint of God, we don't know enough. Say it with me, I don't know enough. enough. Say it again, I don't know enough. enough. He knew how to heal all manner. All manner. The palsy, the lunatic, the demon-possessed, diverse diseases, those tormented. Imagine the torments of the day. He knew how to bring about a cure for them. We don't know enough. Thank God for the medical profession and all that they're trying to do to ease the suffering of mankind. But they don't know enough. And it's when man admits he doesn't know enough that God has mercy. But if we go on thinking, I know, I've talked to believers. Oh, I know about that. What's he preaching on healing again for? I know about that. Right? How much do you really know? This man, Jesus, knew how to cure every disease that confronted him. And you know what? There may be a a disease confront you that you better know how to get rid of. And there's only one way we're going to find out. Studying the life of Jesus. I'm going to make you a statement to live by. Jesus is God's way of healing and power to promote health. Everybody say it with me. Jesus is God's way of healing and power to promote health. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 and I want you to see something here. Verse 1, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. I mean, can you imagine this man being before the greatest of all physicians that were there at that time, and they pronounced him as, as being a leper and incurable? I mean, Harvard graduates... Right? Was Harvard back then? All kinds of degrees. Right? I mean, you can get all kinds of degrees at the end of that day. I like Jesus. Just Jesus. Not Jesus, MD, DMD, 
Jesus. That's sufficient. Greatest healer of all, Jesus. Only name we need, Jesus. But putting that fellow right there in the midst of all these educated doctors, and Jesus walks over to him and says, I will be thou made whole, or be thou clean, touches him, and his leprosy is gone. Would that send you back to the drawing board? Would it? Would you bow your knee to the knowledge that this man possessed? Would you not have an inquiring mind and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, how did you do that? What do you know that I don't know? It's enough that you have this power within you, but you transferred it to somebody else and I don't see any leprosy any longer. Body parts have come back. His nose was gone, but now it's there. Oh, Lord, what do you know that I don't know? Are we interested enough? Come on, beloved. In knowing and having this knowledge and knowing about this way. Remember, we're talking about the way of God. His ways are not man's ways. His ways are higher than man's ways. You can take all the ways of man, every way of man to produce health or to promote, let's say, or to produce healing and to promote health. Put them all together. The highest efforts of man. Put them all together. And you know what? They're far beneath the lowest thoughts that God has on how to alleviate human suffering. They don't match up at all. Because man's ways are not God's ways. We can't stop there. There's another fellow that wants to tell you his story. Look at verse 5. When he was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant, lieth homesick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come into my room, speak but the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Go on down to verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Jesus knew something. He knew something. He knew something about when somebody was indeed acting in faith. He knew it would work. He knew about a way. He knew about a law. He knew about a principle. He knew about a concept. Can you see this? These are the ways that we are supposed to be looking into. These are the ways that we are supposed to be interested in. Look at the next verse, the next two verses, 14 and 15. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid in sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. If you, had, if you ever went, or if you've ever gone to a doctor, and you understand we are not in any way belittling the medical profession. If you ever went to a doctor with a child with a fever or yourself with a fever, I don't think the remedy would be have someone touch your hand. Do you? Usually it's, you know, a prescription of some sort, aspirin or whatever it is, Tylenol. You know, and if you, if you call them about 2 in the morning, they'll say, take 2 and call me later in the morning. I've been thinking about enlisting that practice when I get those 2 o'clock in the morning phone calls. Take two scriptures, and I have them listed, and call me about 8. 
I have them. Matthew 8, 17 and 1 Peter 2, 24. Take those two. <laughs> I'm only teasing. <laughs> but I don't think you will discover that remedy in any, even a home manual. You know how they have come up with these home guides to help and, and all that, home remedies, right? I have never read anything anywhere that says, is your mother-in-law sick with a fever? Touch her. I'm not even going to make any more comments than that. Touch her and the fever will leave. Now, Jesus had to know something. There was something he knew. There was a way he knew. And by knowing what he knew about that way, he touched her. And what happened to the fever? What happened to the fever? Come on, beloved. Doesn't that impress you? Does it not impress you? Where did the fever go? Inquiring minds want to know. Does it matter where it went? I think if you were a doctor, you might think, now, I've got to look at this differently. I have studied. I have worked. I have put forth effort and energy to gain all this knowledge about the human body, its function, how it works, etc., etc., fevers and how they, you know, affect the body and all that. And this man walks over to this woman burning up with fever, touches him, and she gets up and she just starts working like nothing's ever bothered her. What does he know? He knows something that we need to know. I mean, can you agree to that? If we want to be more proficient in operating in this way, we've got to admit that we don't know enough. And get serious with God and say, I want to know more. What will enable me even to transfer a greater dose of that healing flow? What can I possibly say? Like Jesus said to that man who was the leper, I will. Was there power in those two words? Did those words possibly affect his spiritual condition, maybe his emotional condition that opened an avenue through which God touched him and produced healing and brought him back to health? There's something here. And we have to know more about this way. We read on. Then the evening came in verse 16. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirit with his word. Oh, now we're learning a little bit more about that way. There's something that he knew. There was something he understood. There were thoughts that he had that he expressed through a word. And with that word, devils were cast out and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The point is, beloved, Jesus knew something about a way. It's the way of God. And I do not see, once again, anything here, any reference here to any kind of natural means. Do you? Is the touch a natural means? I don't believe so. Have you touched anybody? How many of you have ever touched a baby with a fever? Usually hot. The forehead is hot. The brow is hot. But sometimes the hands are burning up. Now, on some occasions, I have touched and they've gone. I mean, they've left. How many of you like when you touch them, they go? But how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say you've touched them and nothing's happened and they're still burning up with fever and it's still there? So there's obviously something different about the touch. 
So just touching in the natural, I'm saying, is not going to cause the fever to go. He was the perfect embodiment of the ways and purposes of God. And when he touched with the knowledge he had, the understanding of the ways he had, it left when he spoke the sickness, the disease, or the devil was cast out. Look at, um, I'll tell you what, go on to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to, I've got a lot more here. I want to look with you at, at many, many, many in the upcoming messages, many scripture references that talk about how Jesus healed, when Jesus healed, why Jesus healed, how Jesus healed, the way that Jesus healed, so that we can renew our minds to another way. Amen. I mean, come on, saints of God, our minds are bombarded with the ways of man. Oh, yeah. Isn't that right? bombarded with the ways of man. We need to grab hold of the ways of God and become more serious with them. Now look in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. If you'll study, there's many verses here that I want to share with you, but I will probably on Sunday morning, about how Jesus healed the palsy and all kinds of other sicknesses, the deaf, the dumb, the blind, all that. All these diseases and not one natural means was used. Okay? He did not come up with some kind of a medication, what I'm saying, or devise anything in the natural that cured the person. It was all supernatural. It was all a different way. And obviously, he was very effective and successful. Do you know of any, any individual doctor on planet Earth that has a 100% success rate? Raise your hand if you do. Well, Jesus did. We should study after him and find out what he knew. But look at this aspect of this thing we're talking about tonight. When he called his, unto him, when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them, he gave them, he gave them, he gave them, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, wait a minute. He has it and now he can give it. I don't want to lose you now, so stay with me. What he has, he can give away to somebody else. Now hold that thought and turn to Luke, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Or chapter 9 first. Luke 9, 1 first. To show you he's reiterating the same truth. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority. Now, he gave them something over all devils and to cure diseases. Beloved, do you realize that before Jesus gave them this power and authority, they didn't have it? They went from non-physicians to physicians. Right? Based on one statement. Non-physicians to physicians. That's a quick education. Wouldn't you say? Now listen. And to cure diseases. And He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now there's something that He knows, a way that He knows, that He has, that He uses, that He could give to somebody else to use to accomplish the same purposes that He accomplished. Amazing. Look at chapter 10. 
There is a power that heals mortal bodies, beloved, apart from any natural means. It is worth our looking into with greater expectancy and desire. In Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 17, He sent them out to preach and to heal. He gave them authority and power over devils and disease. Now listen. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now they marveled at this. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as, as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There's some revelation here. Did you know that? Tremendous revelation. Did Jesus have a box called power and a box called authority? Did he wrap it up, put a bow around it and say, here, Peter, here's a box of power. Here's a box of authority. Did he stop at the local drugstore or hardware store and pick up some energizer batteries and say, hey, guys, here's a form of power. I want you to take it. No. How did he give them power with words did you hear that with words he didn't send a bolt of lightning out of heaven he didn't have an angel come down of glow brilliant bright glowing and just knock them over until they were aglow and energized with this awesome power. So that everywhere they walked around, they had this outline of, of like glow or electrical force about them. He didn't do that. He said, I give you authority, power to cure, to heal, to cast out devils. They went out and did it and came back. Hey, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in thy... Now we have a deeper revelation. In what? In thy name. So that tells me he must have said now, in my name you go, cast out devils, and heal the sick in my name. Correct? I mean, that's what it seems like to me here. That's what they did. That power and authority was transferred or transmitted to them by the Word. I don't know if you can handle this one. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to you, and He told me also, Go ye into half the world. Everywhere except the United States of America, no, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. That's just like Jesus was standing there telling Peter, James, John, and you 70, 
Go out there in the world, in my name, cast out devils, in my name, heal the sick. Right? In my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they speak with new tongues. In my name shall they skip down, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Sounds like to me that Jesus was trying to say, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy to cure disease, to cast out devils. See, beloved, it's belief in the words of Jesus. First of all, it's believing in a way, the way of Jesus. It's, it's sad to say, but it's true to all of our lives. We don't have the kind of faith that we need to have in unseen things as of yet. I'm not saying we're not growing in it. But beloved, there's a whole lot more to grow in. And there's a whole lot more room for improvement. Couldn't you say amen to that? Every single one of us should be so moved to find out how to operate in this way of God. Why? Because I don't know about you. Have you looked around you in this world today? We need that power. And we need to know how to help others that are sickly and overcome by the works of Satan. So Jesus was God's way of healing and Jesus is also God's way to promote health. We have to do an exhaustive study individually in our own lives and then arrive at the place of understanding where we recognize and know that we have that same power and authority in our lives over disease, devils, and sickness. And that's when, beloved, sickness and disease will obey us just as it obeyed Jesus. Amen. Now, you know I can go on all night, so let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.